right. Welcome back to another great episode of Dan on Top. I'm your host, Dan Lukowitz, and today in the studio, we have the honor and the pleasure of hosting the managing partner and my colleague at Encore Real Estate Investment Services, Dino Bisleridis. Dan, thank you for having me on. I greatly, greatly appreciate it and excited to be part of this show. I'm excited to have you. This is an awesome honor and awesome pleasure. We've got a lot to talk about. Before we get into all this great technical information about what's going on in the net lease market, I want you to tell our viewers who you are. So who is Dino Bisleridis? Who is Dino Bisleridis? That's a great question. And there's uh, probably could sit here for an hour to tell you, um, to tell you. but um, some background on myself. Um, I was born in Canada, grew up in Toronto, um, moved to the United States, the Detroit area when I was 15 years old. Uh, my mother's from here. My father's from, uh, from Canada. And um, I am uh, Greek by, uh, by, by ethnicity. Um, I love my family. I love real estate. I reside in the Detroit area. I love to travel. That's probably one of my favorite things in the world. And last but not least, I'm an investment real estate broker, have been an investment real estate broker for 15 years, and I eat, sleep, and breathe real estate. What else can I say? Well, that's for sure true. <laughs> I talk to Dino all times of the night and day, email, text message, phone call, and this man is always on. So I want to jump into what's going on in the net lease market. You know, it boggles my mind. I talk to people every day who say, Dan, is everything okay in commercial real estate? They're saying, from what I'm reading, like everything is, the sky is falling. And I say, oh my gosh, you couldn't be further from the truth. This market is on fire. Now is the time to find a valuation of your property. Now is the time to consider selling. So in light of everything that's gone on the last 15, 16 months with the COVID-19 pandemic, tell me how the market is uh, performing and, and how COVID-19 might still be a, affecting a buyer's approach to retail properties in general. And is this something that's short-term or long-term? Well, you kind of hit the nail right on the head. I mean, we've had a very interesting, I would say, 18 months in this world and certainly in our industry. Um, certainly, like everything, everyone else, when COVID hit, um, a lot of us, especially myself in the real estate, and we started preparing and saying, okay, this is finally the downturn yeah. that we've been expecting. Because we've been on a big wave, I would say, for a good eight, nine years in the net lease and the commercial real estate world. Um, Sure, we had a two-month blip um, in, I would say, March, April, May of, uh, of 2020, but the market bounced right back. Yeah. Um, I mean, the single-tenant net leased and multi-tenant world is hot right now. Certainly, there are a few aberrations as far as hospitality properties, things of that nature. But what we're seeing is, I mean, I, I think a lot of investors step back to evaluate um, the quote-unquote what, what could potentially be the carnage. And a lot of investors, like myself, thought there would have, would have been a lot of blood in the water. Um, and we haven't seen that at all. I mean, retailers, I would say, have absolutely done a great job of uh, reformatting their business plans. Um, and we've seen, obviously, with cheap money um, flooding the market, buyers looking to buy net lease deals. Um, you know, Dan, I think you can say, just like anyone else, you put a deal in the market right now and your phone's ringing off the hook. Oh, my gosh. Um, nonstop. Nonstop. So, you know, without question, there's a lot of deals out there, good deals out there, but the cheap money is making the, the, the market very competitive. Um, we haven't seen, you know, the foreclosure market hit like I expected it to. And, you know, overall, I think that's a testament to, you know, the population and retailers in general, you know, really, you know, figuring a way, you know, figuring a way to do business. I mean, when restaurants were shut down for, um, you know, a year or so, or, or you know, we'd see them work a hybrid approach. And that says, uh, says true for most retailers out there, most tenants out there, and certainly in our business as well. 
Absolutely. And you know, Encore has an incredible track record, incredible reputation. We sell a huge volume of single and multi-tenant net leased assets in any year. Talk to me about 2021. What's the volume like in terms of the sale of single and multi-tenant net leased assets? Well, we've had, you hit the nail on the head, we've had um, at Encore a, uh, a record year every year um, in, business, in our business. Um, 2020, as I said, we expected, um, you know, a little blip, and we broke 2019's record. 2021, we're on pace to shatter 2019 and 2020's record. Um, You know, we're expecting things to continue very strong right now. Um, There's certainly a shortage of inventory out there. Um, Investors are out there, and they see the stock market. And the stock market is very top-heavy right now, and it's certainly very turbulent. Um, And investors are looking at, and inflation as well, so investors are looking at real estate um, as a hard asset to put their money in. Whereas at the end of the day, certainly real estate does go up and down. There's no question about that. You know, a lot of people thought, you know, I grew up with with the understanding that, you know, real estate always goes up in value. And that's not always the case. But as far as what you can buy out there right now and put your money into, real estate is a hard asset. It's a hedge against inflation. And that's really driving a lot of the demand out there right now. And, you know, with low interest rates, um, it's creating values that, just like the housing market, um, we haven't seen before. Now, what changes are you seeing with respect to tenant popularity amongst buyers? Sure. Well, um, you know, prior to the pandemic, um, you know, in in our business, e-commerce was kind of the hot word. Um, we would see retailers moving. Amazon really hit the world by storm, and we would see retailers moving towards less of a brick-and-mortar approach and you know, and having more or less an e-commerce or sort of brick-and-mortar hybrid approach. Um, the pandemic really pushed the fast-forward button, Absolutely. I would say, on that uh, way of doing business. So we're seeing investors out there really centering on um, quote-unquote essential businesses. That was a word that was introduced to our vocabulary and uh, 2020, and it's something that we're probably it's going to be around for quite some time. So your uh, your fast food, anything with the drive-through, is hot. Um, your tire stores, something that can't be duplicated online. Sure. Um, I would say you know casual dining prior to the pandemic was also hot because you couldn't duplicate it online. Um, certainly, with everything that's happened in the casual dining world, um, you know things have changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I do see that starting to bounce back. Um, but for the most part, grocery, um, essential business, food service, pharmacy, medical is hot right now because of what happened with COVID. Sure. Um, so anything essential business um, that has a hedge against e-commerce is very popular right now. Sure. Now let's shift gears a little bit and talk about multi-tenant. You know, prior to the pandemic, I sold a lot of shopping centers. Mm-hmm. In fact, I sold a shopping center in Michigan that closed literally the day that the governor shut down the entire state. And I think at that point in time, I personally made a hard pivot into more of these essential assets like you're talking about, the fast food, maybe some of the medical office, industrial, um, and, and you know things like those tire stores, those essential retailers. So talk to us about multi-tenant. Do, do we see that bouncing back? You know, it's interesting. I would say... You know, like I said, before the pandemic, Amazon was really, really taking the retail world by storm. And a lot of people would say retail is dead. You know, brick and mortar retail is dead. And I never said that. I was like, look, retail is never going to die. It's going to evolve just like anything else. Um, Multi-tenant world, um, you know, goes right in line with that. Um, When COVID hit, you know, a lot of tenants in the multi-tenant world felt a lot of pain, um, but they did a great job of reconfiguring their business strategies. Um, I would say certain multi-tenant 
product types, for example, your enclosed malls, I think are really, you're not going to be walking into a lot of shopping malls in the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing those get repurposed into industrial or distribution um, or into more experience-based retail. Um, but your Class A, Class B retail centers, certainly you're going to see a little bit higher vacancy. But at the end of the day, retail is still still here and it's still here to stay. And we are at Encore, and you can attest to this, um, we're trading a lot of retail deals right now. And that Absolutely. was probably the biggest surprise for me. Um, I thought the multi-tenant retail world was going to get hurt very bad by COVID. And I haven't seen that at all. Certainly, you know, there is an element of kicking the can down the sidewalks. There's some retailers out there that um, are still hanging, still, you know, just hanging on by a thread. And I think COVID um, accelerated their demise. But I think those retailers were more or less on their way out as opposed to, you know, you know, you know, COVID being really what, what did them in. Um, but overall, it really comes down to the type of, uh, you know, type of tenant. I think your office supplies, certainly, um, you're not going to be walking into a lot of office depots or, or staples uh, moving forward. Most of that stuff is going to be online. Your junior box stores are going to be a little bit more hurt. But retail overall, I mean, people still, I think humans as in, you know, in general, by nature, we don't want to just sit home no. and, and get everything. We want to go out. And I think really what we're seeing right now as things are opening up and everyone's going out there, I mean, the malls are packed. Airplanes, they're saying airlines are, are I read an article today from a, from an airline CEO. He was like, you better book your trips right away because yeah. we're expecting a big onslaught and prices are going to go up. So overall, humans, you know, we're social, you know, we're social animal by, by nature. And you're going to see humans, they're going to want to go out there and see what they're buying, experience what they're buying. Certainly, there's going to be a hybrid approach with e-commerce. I mean, e-commerce is here to stay. There's no question about it. And it's really going to drive the market. But multi-tenant is not dead. Multi-tenant is evolving. There's no question about it. Absolutely. I think that bounce back really speaks to the resilience of not only our economy, but also the net lease asset class as a whole. No question. No question about it. So talk to us about different markets. What are you seeing amongst buyers as it pertains to investing in certain markets over others? And and what drives the decision of what market an investor will invest in? Sure. Well, I think it it, it really runs down to an investor, when they evaluate an asset, um, you know, they look at demographics. You know, certainly every asset stands on their own. Uh, on its own. Um, but since we sell nationally, we see certain markets um, that get preference as opposed to others. And I think the pandemic also accelerated a lot of that, um, a lot of that mentality um, because of the shutdowns. Um, every state kind of had a different rule and different experience in the pandemic. Certainly in Michigan, our experience was much different than those in Texas or those in Florida. Um, markets like Texas and Florida, Arizona, Nevada are probably the top markets mm-hmm. right now. Um, they're tax tax-free states, income tax-free states, um, their governors and their governments were more or less on the forefront of, hey, we're not shutting things down, we're keeping things opened up, and investors viewed that as, hey, um, you know, if I'm buying something, I want to be in a state like that where sure. I'm not going to get hurt by a government that's going to shut us down. Um, you know, that being said, I think every market you know, whether it's Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, Hawaii, or California, you need to look at something on, um, uh, not necessarily in the macro, but on the micro, and look at the specific markets. There's really, really, really good markets in Michigan, and there's really bad markets in Florida, even though the average investor would probably want to buy in Florida over Michigan. Um, I think urban centers, you know, when the pandemic hit, a lot of people said, wow, um, you know, office and urban centers, like New York City, for example, New York City's never going to be the same, you know, 
with respect to office and retail. Um, I do think that was kind of a short-lived mentality yeah. because, like we're seeing now, I mean, New York City's coming back in a big way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of investors even said, hey, we're not going to buy in urban centers. We're going to buy in suburban markets because that's where everyone's moving to. But we're seeing a lot more interest in the urban centers as well. So, you know, overall, I think, you know, from a macro standpoint, you know, the Sunbelt markets, you know, high growth demographic markets are doing very well. Um, but at at the end of the day, every state, every location in America, from a micro perspective, have great, has great markets as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so look, there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic right now and a lot of reasons to be thankful. Uh, at the same time, if you're in the commercial real estate world, um, you'd have to be living under a rock to not understand that there are some major potential changes that are coming up, right? Potentially abolishing capital gains taxes, uh, doing away with the 1031 or significantly limiting the amount of gain that can be deferred. And which, by the way, any of our valued viewers who are watching this, one of the amazing things of being a a citizen of this country is that we have a voice. So I urge everyone to reach out if you haven't already, or even if you have, continue to reach out to your your local government and to your representatives to tell them your feelings about uh, these key issues that are really going to have a significant impact on our economy, on commercial real estate and real estate in general. So, Dino, I want to know what your thoughts are on these potential tax uh, reforms and how do you see those changes affecting the real estate market? Sure. Well, you had a slip of the tongue. You said abolish capital gains taxes, which I think would think would be wonderful if that happened. But no, what they're talking about. <laughs> um, so, you know, the last year we, we had an election. You know, yeah. in addition to a once-in-a-generation pandemic, we had an election. And, um, you know, the new administration that's coming in has some great, great plans um, and also some plans to change things up. And one of the things that we're following closely in the commercial real estate business, like you said, is what they're going to be doing with the tax code. Um, A big part of our business, as you know, are the 1031 exchanges. Um, The 1031 exchange has been part of our tax code in the United States since the 1920s. And it's been a wonderful way, um, you know, to build wealth. But it's not necessarily only to build wealth, but it's also fueled a lot of economic development, yes. um, investment, um, you know, and, you know, there, there's a whole slew of things that come from the 1031 exchange. And, you know, the 1031 exchange right now is is on the chopping block. Um, you know, if that goes away, I certainly think that's going to affect the real estate market in a big way. Do I think it will go away? Um, I hope it won't. But I don't think it will, too. I think it's personally bad policy. I mean, a 1031 exchange, when it happens, um, is, uh, you know, brokers make money. Environmental companies make money. Um, The cities make their transfer taxes. Um, Attorneys make money. Title companies make money. So there's a huge economic multiplier that comes um, with the 1031 exchange. Without the 1031 exchange, I mean, you know this, the first thing people ask when you give them an evaluation is not just the price, but what's my tax ramifications going to be? That's just as important as the price. So taking the 1031 exchange away is going to, I would think, temporarily at least, really, really, really um, reduce the number of transactions that are done. Um, an increase in capital gains in conjunction with the 1031 exchange, I think, would be catastrophic for our business um, on the short term. Long term, you know, we always, just like I, we, you and I have been talking about, you always figure it out. Yep. You know, we're, we're innovative people, and everyone will figure it out. But, um, you know, and I personally don't think the capital gains will go away. I think it'll stay. Um, I think the, our, the 1031 exchange will stay. Um, I think the capital gains rate will go up. Um, but, you know, look, that will affect things, but that won't be as bad sure. as that 
and the 1031 exchange. The 1031 exchange is a great mechanism. You see a lot of um, transactions with it, and it certainly helps real estate values and incentivizes investment as well. Absolutely. So listen, Dino, we've got about three minutes left. You've been in the industry for a decade and a half. You run one of the most successful uh, commercial real estate brokerages in the country. You've done a lot in your career, a, a, a whole lot. I would like to know if you could give three pieces of advice to our viewers, what would you say? Are we talking real estate advice or advice in general? Player's choice. Player's choice. All right. So advice in general. Number one is um, never give up. Um, I got started in the real estate business and, you know, for a good you know year to two years, I was ready to walk away. Um, and I'm glad I didn't. And I love what I do. Um, keep an open mind. Um, always try to have new experiences, learn new things, and never burn a bridge. I think uh, those three things are something that, you know, I've learned the hard way. Um, I've made mistakes, but those three things I've always kept with me, and uh, I would recommend everyone uh, taking that to heart. Love it. Never give up. Keep an open mind and continue to learn and never burn a bridge. About a minute left. I know you don't have a crystal ball, but in closing, where do you see the commercial real estate market a year from now? A year from now. I see the commercial real estate market you know, obviously there's a big question of what's going to happen with the 1031 exchange and capital gains. You know, I'm assuming those stay in some, or the cap of the 1031 exchange stays in one, uh, some way, shape or form, but I think we're still going to be strong. Look, real estate, in my opinion, is the vet, the best investment class. Rates are going to continue to be low, as the Fed said yesterday, at least through 2023. Mm -hmm. So I think we're going to be in a very strong position a year from now and hopefully many, many, many years from now as well. Awesome. Well, hey, you heard it here first. Dino Bisleridis, Managing Partner of Encore Real Estate Investment Services. Thank you so much for your time. You added a whole lot of value to our viewers. Dan, thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate it. Awesome. Well, hey, I'm Dan Lukowitz. This has been another great episode of Dan on Top. I'll look forward to seeing you soon.